We're one church on five different sites today, 11 different services. And we're looking at Luke chapter five. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Lake of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men and women. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I want to talk to you today about how to find your purpose in life. Good news is this. God loves you. And he created you with a purpose in mind. What is that purpose for your life? How do you find it? Here we have Simon Peter, possibly a teenager, certainly a very young person. But in those days, we know about Peter that he he was married, may even have had children. He had a good job. He was a fisherman. He lived in a beautiful place, Galilee. And yet we know that material things alone don't satisfy. I never got out of my head a line I heard in a film of 30 years ago where this woman, Shirley Valentine, says, in effect, she says, I've led such a shallow life. And even that will be over soon. And in some ways, you could say, well, Peter was leading possibly a very shallow life until he encountered Jesus. And all that changed. This is an active parable. This passage is an active parable about the kingdom. At one level, it's all about fish. But Jesus says... To Peter at the end, no, this is an illustration of the kingdom. This is really about men and women. The impact that you're going to have in your life on other people. 
And that's what every single person here today, everyone at Onso Square, you can have an impact with your lives on men and women, on other people. You can give them new hope. You can leave a legacy. You can have an eternal impact with your life. That's what Peter did. That was his purpose. So what can we learn from this passage? First of all, the potential is vast. The potential for your life is huge. In the Sea of Galilee, there were so many fish. Apparently there were there's shoals of fish which cover the sea for as much as an acre. They're just solid fish. At one level, it was very surprising that they fished all night and hadn't caught anything. Someone said the greatest miracle is that they hadn't caught anything. There were so many fish out there. And Jesus says, look, I know you haven't caught any fish yet, but put out into deep water. Maybe that's significant. Again, symbolic. Maybe they've been fishing in shallow water, shallow lives, shallow water. And he's saying, look, go deep and you'll find the fish there. One of the things I, I love about Alpha, this is our 86th small group in a row, Pippa and I helping. And I love it because I love all the people. I love the people who come. And it, but it's amazing to watch. We, we always, the average age on Alpha is 27. We always have a group about that age. And I think of one group that we had not so long ago. Looked around the group, typical. They all look, oh, nice looking people, good jobs, lots of friends. And then this wonderful thing happens. As the course goes on, people begin. They realize that we impress people by our strength, but we connect through our vulnerabilities. And they start to be honest, suffering from depression, suffering from anxiety. In some cases, addi ad addicted. Sometimes self-harming. One, one group we had like this. When we had our, the reunion, everybody by that stage had let by let down their, their, their guard. And there wasn't a single one who didn't say one of those things. Depression, anxiety, just I, what, what you call men, mental health vulnerabilities. And Jesus changes all that. But there's so many people out there who are like that. I read this book. It's called iGen. This is about people born after 1995. And what it, says, it talks about today's super-connected kids are growing up less happy, more insecure, and more mentally vulnerable. They need Jesus. And in the course of a lifetime, think how many people you could help, as Peter did, to have their lives transformed by Jesus. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. That's what we see, verses five to six. Jesus made what seemed impossible, possible. Peter says to Jesus, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. That's his reaction to Jesus saying, cast your net into the deep. He says, it, does, it won't work, we tried. But Jesus is looking at him and he says, okay, 
because you say so, I will not let down the nets. And he calls him master. And the Greek word there is ep- epistata. It's the word from which we get the word epistemology, which is the study of knowledge. Effectively, the, the epistata means the one who knows everything. Jesus is the one who knows everything. That's why I lived the first 18, of my, 18 years of my life without Jesus. And I, I regret that now because Jesus knows what's best for us. Jesus knows how to make the most of your life. Don't waste another moment if you don't yet know Jesus because he's the one who knows. And he knew where the fish were. And so they let down the nets, and when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish, the nets begin to break, the boats begin to sink, they've got so many. It says they were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And that, that's the story of what we've, we've watched. We've watched it in this church. We're just astonished at what God has done. I came here, first time I came in here was, I was 21 years of age. I just encountered Jesus at university and I came here because I was starting to be a barrister, to be a lawyer, and I heard that Sandy Miller, the young curate, he was 36 at the time, he was the youngest person in the congregation by far at that stage. There were only 50 people. Tiny, like pews, very formal service. I came, I was so bored by the service. But Sandy's talk I really enjoyed. So I went up to him afterwards and I said, look, Sandy, I I wonder whether, whether... whether I could meet with you. And he opened his diary. It was completely empty. Nothing to do at all. He said, come to lunch. Come to tea. Come and have supper. So I had lunch, tea. So he said, come back the next day. <laughs> come to lunch. He said, I'm going to start a connect group. Would you like to come? I said, I'd love to come. He managed to find five people. I don't know where he found them from. Five young people. And he preached the gospel like he was Billy Graham at Wembley Stadium. And at the end, he said, if anyone wants to give your life to Christ, get up out of your seats and come forward. I thought, there are only five of us. (laughs) Anyway, one person came forward. Her name is Caroline. So he said said to Caroline, okay, she was just off to Cambridge University. He said, I've got a friend at Cambridge called Justin. Now, Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, She said, I've got a friend at Cambridge. I'll ask him to look after you. And Justin looked after her very well. He married her. (laughs) And, And that connect group grew. It grew so much that we all had to start our own connect groups. Pippa and I started a connect group. And all the connect groups would meet in church house over there once a month. It was called The Joint. Slightly unfortunate name. And then it grew and grew and grew, and then, then, then we started evening services. And, and then this service started to grow. And then all this happened under Sandy's ministry, and then Alpha started. And then Alpha grew, and now Alpha is like millions and millions of people have done Alpha. Every year there are one and a half million people around the world doing Alpha. Uh, it, we're just astonished. I'm always astonished to see, to hear the stories of people who come up to me and say they encountered Jesus on Alpha, or, or to read, like I read this week on Friday in uh, a secular newspaper. This is the uh, Hastings and St. Leonard's Observer, the headline. This is the headline in a secular newspaper. Couple tell how Alpha course at Hastings Church transformed their lives. And it says this, that, uh, Simon was a plumber. Simon, he had the same name as Simon Peter. Simon was a plumber. 
Emma worked in primary school. They came from atheist backgrounds. They went to a carol service there. Then they were invited on Alpha, went on Alpha, came to believe in Jesus. My outlook has changed, different priorities, feel peace, things that stress me out don't now. I was baptized in the sea there in Hastings. I was baptized in the sea in July to show that Jesus is now the center of my life. It's been transformational for our whole family. Our 17-year-old daughter decided to do the next course. We've seen a huge change in her. And this is an article in the secular newspaper, this is how it ends. If you're gonna do one thing, I would recommend Alpha. It's life-changing. Isn't that exciting? And then, and then, the church, with so many people coming to Jesus, then, then we, 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 we started to say, we, well, we've got too many people here. We, we could send them out to other churches. And we sent people out to other churches across London. And then we started doing it outside London. First one outside London was in 2009. Uh, the church was about to close in Brighton, so we sent 30 people from here. Ten years later, there are over 1,000 people in that church. All these men and women, this is what... Peter had the privilege of seeing. This is what gave him purpose in life. The purpose, seeing hundreds of men and women encountering Jesus, finding hope, lives changed. So we, we planted in, in Brighton, and since 2009, this, you've been all involved in this, planting churches in Brighton, Norwich, Birmingham, Lincoln, Bristol, Southampton, Gateshead, Nottingham, Coventry, Bournemouth, Hastings, Crawley, Hackney, Plymouth, Swindon, Andover, Derby, Portsmouth, and we're about to plant into Preston and Exeter. But the structures need to change. The nets began to break. They couldn't take all the fish. So many people. Our Alpha course here last September was up 40%. This course is up on the one, the equivalent last year, from 614 to 784 people turned up the first night of the course here. The nets are beginning to break. There's not enough room for all the small groups. We can't hear each other. There's so many small groups in the church. And that Onso Square, if you're at Onso Square, you'll have seen all the building work. That is because there aren't enough room for all the children. We're having to build new rooms. Derby. We, you know, the church in Derby, there are only 16,000 Anglican churches in the country. That is not actually enough to house all the people who are going to come to Jesus in our generation. Where all these people who are coming in. So in Derby, the Church of England had sold off a building. They thought the church was going to keep declining. It's not going to keep declining. So they sold off a building and it was being used as a Chinese restaurant attached to a gambling den. So we had to buy it back off them. We've bought it back, and now it's full of people worshiping Jesus. Fish coming in. And, it, and that's why we've, we, now we, it's not enough to have the church buildings. We've got warehouses in Birmingham and Nottingham and Swindon. So it can't be done alone. All these people, what did they do? They caught so many fish, they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. This is the kingdom of God. As I said, this is a parable. It's it's an acted parable of the kingdom of God. And what it shows is you cannot do it alone. We need partners. And that means everybody has a part to play. You have a part to play. Every one of you here at Brompton Road, every one of you at Onset Square, you have a part 
to play. You are invited to be a partner. You may not be, you may be in, in a law firm and you think, oh, one day I'd like to be a partner. Or in a business, oh, I'd like to be a partner. This was a fishing business, they had partners. You may or may not ever get to be a partner of that. But you can be a partner of HDB. In fact, I'm inviting all of you today to be elevated into the position of a partner of HDB. You're all partners. So how do I become a partner of HDB? Three things you need to do. This is what it means to be a partner. To have to play a part. It means to pray for the church. It means to give to the church. And it means to serve. You were created to serve. You'll never find your purpose in life without service. Because you're created in the image of God. And God is a servant. So you were created to serve. And that's how you find fulfillment, contentment, satisfaction, purpose, meaning. There's an article in The Guardian on Friday. And what is, is a YouGov poll which showed that 38% of people in Britain volunteer. And this is what this, the, the, they found. You can see 96% found satisfaction. 77% said volunteering had improved their mental health. I have a friend who uh, I play squash with. And he, he had suffered from insomnia for years. And he told me what happened. He said he went along to help in a homeless shelter. And that night, he went home and he slept like a baby. And he has done so ever since. 77% of 18 to 24-year-olds said it helped them combat isolation. 74% said it gave them more confidence. Overwhelming evidence that it helps with depression, life satisfaction, well-being. So many spoke about finding purpose through serving. Because we're created to serve. There's so many of iGen who are isolated, anxious. But everybody can serve. I mentioned in the last service a couple who... If I see them in the service, I always say, I'm so excited. Not that I aren't ex I'm not excited to see all of you. I'm thrilled to see everyone here. There's not a single person I'm not excited to see. But I always, every time I speak, I look for one person who's smiling. If I can find someone who's smiling, I know it'll make a difference to me. And this couple are always like, they're in the worship like this. They're always smiling in the talk. They're encouraging. They're at the front. They, they're host. And just what, what it struck me was that one person can make a difference to the whole service. You can make a difference to every service you attend. I, came, I went to a church in Little Rock, Arkansas. That church... Every single member of the congregation comes to one service and serves at another. So they come and receive, and then they go and help with the children. Or they'll volunteer in some other way. 
they signaled to their partners because it can't be done alone. It can only be done in partnership. And with all of you, all of you here at Brompton Road, all of you at Onsay Square, think what an impact we could make on this nation. Just this one church with all of you. There's so many of you, so many gifted people, so many amazing people. I know every time I speak to one of you, I'm just like, wow, what an amazing person. And this is a vision worth going for. They, they left their nets and followed Jesus. They overcame two barriers. First of all, the feeling of unworthiness. You know, Peter goes, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful person. I feel that. I feel, God, you can never use me. I'm a sinful person. But this is the good news. A perfect God uses imperfect people. If he didn't, he couldn't use anybody. And then fear. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I don't know why they were afraid, but they probably felt inadequate. Peter and John are later described in the book of Acts as agrammatoi idioti. There's no politically correct way to translate that. It means they, they weren't well educated and they didn't have a particularly high IQ. But Jesus chose them. And it says when they heard them speak, they were astonished and they realized, because they were agrammatoi idioti, they realized that they must have been with Jesus. Nothing else could have made them like they were. Jesus can use all of us. We've started a Peter stream at our theological college. We started a theological college here 10 years ago with nine people. It's now grown to 317 ordinands, by far the largest theological college, actually, in the Church of England. But, it, but what we started now is a stream for Peters, people who would disqualify themselves, be afraid to put themselves forward, because they're unrepresented. They're unrepresented in this nation, in the church. People who are educationally diverse, socially diverse, ethnically diverse. So we started a special stream for them to get affirmative action to change this. Four of them started last year. They're four are really astonishing, amazing people. We got, we're gonna have 15 starting this year. Next year, 50. Following year, 150 following year 500 and they are going to transform this nation they're going to there's going to be a church on every urban estate that's the vision to restore the places long devastated something is happening the tide is turning the number of people putting themselves forward for ordination in the church of england went up 14% two years ago, 8% last, last year. And the way it's going, there are going to be more ordinands than there have been for decades. And it's going to grow and grow and grow because the tide in this country is turning. There was an article in the Times a month ago which said this, atheism is down as UK gets spiritual. The number of atheists in this country uh, uh, it has fallen in the past year. And the number of people who go to church has grown. And more people are praying. The tide is turning. When God is up to something, he gets people praying. On Tuesday of this week, we had a kingdom come, a prayer meeting. 
to pray for this nation. Hardly advertised it. This church was absolutely packed with people who were just worshiping Jesus, praying for this nation. Young people, when God is about to send revival, he gets people praying. The potential is vast. Nothing's impossible with Jesus. You can be like Peter. You can be someone who brings hope to men and women. That's your purpose in life, to make a difference. And if we all do it together in partnership, all of us, what could happen? We could see the evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. In Jesus' name, amen.